Hey everybody, this is Ruben, and you're listening to Amazing Stories. The Blade of the Poisoner by Douglas Hill, dramatized by Wally K. Daly, Part Three. Save me! Save me! Somebody save me! I realized through my screams that the giant yellow jackets, mad with fear of the fire that surrounded me, were attacking the soldiers, not me. But how to get out of the flame and escape? Then, even as I thought it, I was suddenly being lifted up into the air and floated toward and then through the open window. I'd looked down into the courtyard below and saw Archer standing there with her eyes tight closed. I remembered her saying she couldn't lift anything heavy and wondered how she was managing to lift me. And then I saw her fall to the ground as her strength failed her and I was suddenly released and falling too. Ah! You okay? Yes, I think so. Up you get. Off we go then. Hold. Ah, It's all right. Scythe and Mandra. Goodly blaze you've got going there, Gerald. Inge should burn to the ground quite nicely. And your friend Chariah loses her livelihood. She deserves worse. I wonder how much she was paid to betray us. Forget the woman. What's more important is how did the soldiers she told get word to the poisoner so swiftly? And how did he get his creatures to us just as fast? There is a smell of dark magic about this. Meftik is no sorcerer. His master, the demon driver, is. There's your answer, then. But does it matter? We must still continue with the task, unless you've changed your mind. No, not when we have a secret weapon. Our young friend can make quite a lethal blaze, can't he? A valuable talent for us indeed. All of Meftik's creatures fear fire. Mount up and let's be away. The flames will attract others. I still don't know if it is a talent. I can't make it happen when I want to. It only happens when I'm scared to death. Lucky for us that courage isn't one of your strong points, then. No matter, lad. You'll come to control it in time. It may be that even without Krill, we could help Gerald to gain some control over his fire talent. If we can do that, we'll take Meftik's city by storm. Why are you squinting like that, Gerald? You look as though you've got a bad stomach problem. I'm just trying to see if I can make fire, that's all. Don't trouble yourself so, Gerald. We'll work with you tonight when we make camp. Perhaps you could light our fire for us. <laughs> Be quicker rubbing two dry sticks together. Oh, oh, boy! Hold! What is it? Listen. Look. There it is above. It's a giant bird with an enormous beak and long, long legs. It's huge. I've never seen a bird with such a massive wingspan. Have no fear, Gerald. We've met this messenger before. Hello, Gerald. As these others know well, I am Ural. This is Krill's familiar, his spirit friend and ally. What are you doing so far from home, Ural? Krilltor has sent me. Why didn't he come himself, as he did last time? He dare no longer stir from his hiding place at this moment, not even in astral form. Something has happened. Something indeed has happened. The demon driver is pouring ever more of his powers into discovering Krilltor's whereabouts. Our veils of secrecy are hard-pressed to keep his searching magic at bay. Will they hold? We believe so, for we still have some strength 
in reserve. But it is you four who are in the gravest danger, and Krill has sent me to warn you so. Even more danger. The demon driver has become aware that you may be the last four living humans with talents, so he has given Prince Meftik further assistance to seek and destroy you. What assistance? He has sent Meftik a new aid and ally. In this sphere, he takes the name Flamarok. He is indeed an evil spirit from the first realm of the further darkness. A high demon? A most fearsome one. One of the primary beings from whom the enemy draws his power. I have never seen a demon, Yurald. I'd hoped to live all my life without doing so. You may still... Your first sight of Flamorock may be your last moment of life. But can't Krill help? He and I will seek to do so whenever we can elude the enemy's search. But that grows ever more difficult and dangerous. For that reason, I dare not linger here. Farewell and good fortune. So that's how Meftik found us so swiftly at the inn. A new pet demon called Flamrock. Would explain it. What do you think, Scythe? Do we go on to the city? Well... What is there to think about? We have to go on. That is great courage for one so young. Not really. I'm terrified, yes. But nothing has changed. If Meftik and the enemy are hunting us, what does it matter where we go? So we might as well try to go on to his headquarters as we'd intended. You're right, of course. Especially now Meftik has a high demon helping him. All we can do is keep going as far as we can. I say the same, but I don't see much hope for us. As you told Gerald, take one day at a time. Who knows what might come along. At least we might get some help from Krill and Yorold against a demon. Let's hope so. We must be on our way. But why can't Mandra just hide us from the soldiers all the time? You don't understand anything, Gerald. Using a talent is tiring. If I did what you say, I'd be exhausted in no time. Especially when a bit of my talent is working all the time to keep you from... To keep me from what? Oh, nothing. We'll need Mandra's talent at full strength to disguise us when we reach the city of Shiganti, Gerald. I see. Sorry. Just a thought. Anyway, at least we'll soon have the darkness to hide us now. Only from human searchers. Let's make camp. Gerald. If I'm going to go into your head and find your talent and try to help it grow, you're going to have to concentrate. No, it's useless. I give up. Any luck? Oh, I can't do anything. This one's just too young. I do have a name, you know. To be honest, I'm not sure if it really is a talent. Not if it only shows when he's frightened. Maybe he just has a talent for cowardice. Stop it! I don't care who you are! Stop it and leave me alone! I'm not a coward, and I'm sick of you treating me like a fool. I don't even know what I'm doing here, so why don't you just leave me alone? My brow suddenly felt as if it was on fire, as if clamped by a band of red-hot metal. I had to get rid of the pressure of the heat. I turned and saw the twigs and sticks that Scythe had thrown on the ground, and I let the pressure go, and they burst into flames. Why? Think what we'll save in flint and steel. Oh, I'm sorry, Gerald. Sometimes my mouth says things I don't really mean before I can stop it. I'm sorry. It is the effect of strain and fear. Mm. I become gloomy, Scythe grows even more cold and withdrawn, Mandra's tongue gets sharper and Gerald sets things afire. (laughs) 
Indeed. Now we see his talent bursts out when he's angered as well as afraid, we should not rouse his temper. We might get a roasting. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Now that is what I call a lot of soldiers down there. Can we ride round them? Maybe, but not to the north. That's no direction to approach the city from. Why? The Poisoner has a special playground on the north side of the city, full of more of his monsters. He sends prisoners into it sometimes for amusement, and none of them has ever come out to tell about it. Meftik calls it his Garden of Torment. Then what do you suggest? If the soldiers get bored or lazy later on, we might slip through, with the help of your talent. What is it, Archer? A strange large bird, very high. Looks like a vulture, but I've never known vultures in this area. Never known them to fly that high. No matter. It won't be Meftics. There are no poisonous birds, so they don't interest him. Look, there, Scythe. In front of the evergreens. Do you see? I see them. So, Meftic releases the spiders once more. All six black widows on the crawl. Mm. Waste of an arrow. No, I've thought about it. At first, in the Wellwood, that widow could evade my arrow because it was at long range. But later, Scythe, you and I could kill it because it was so close. So? So, I will use my talent in a different way. This was the third time I'd seen the giant spiders. And still they made my hair and back crawl. I remember the night that one had dropped from the tree and crushed my horse's neck with one squeeze of its jaws. And then nearly managed to get me. Now I watched Archer's arrow flying hopefully. If she could kill another, I would be pleased. But the arrow appeared to be off course by metres. The nearest spider obviously knew it and ignored it. He shouldn't have been so careless. At the last few seconds before it landed, Archer closed her eyes and her face looked strained, and the arrow changed course and speared the screaming spider. Clever Archer. Deflect the arrow with your mind at the last instant so the widow hasn't time to jump aside. You might get more of them that way. They're not foolish. The others have run out of range now. But they may forget later. Down! It was the vulture Archer had spotted earlier. Its talons were heading for her back when Scythe pushed her down. It missed by a fraction and flew upwards again. In a flash, Archer had an arrow in her bow and fired it off, at the same moment that Scythe threw one of his knives. The arrow struck it firm in the chest and the knife bedded in its scrawny throat. The bird screamed, but it was a scream of triumph. The knife and arrow simply melted on contact and then vanished in a puff of smoke. It's a demon! And the creature was wheeling, preparing to attack once more. We'll stand and fight, shall we? Even though we must die. But of course. With my dagger, I too will do what little I can. But it's so unfair. So unfair. Wait, another bird appears in the sky. It's Urold. I watched the fight between the enormous bird spirit called Urold and the vulture. And in seconds we realised that Urold was no match for the other creature. He was going to die. Can't we help him somehow? There is no way. Perhaps Krill will come. It'll be too late. The vulture's going to strike him down. No, you can't. You, vulture. Yes, you. I'm pointing at you. You can't do this thing. You set his chest on fire. It's disappeared. And here comes a very tired Eurold, probably to give him thanks. 
So, Jaral, it is true as Kriltor guessed. What is? There is no time. You must flee with all the swiftness you can muster as far from here as you can. With the defeat of the demon vulture, it is likely that Flamorock himself will come. I could not oppose him alone. Then that thing wasn't Flamorock. No, a minor low-level demon. Low-level? You must not delay. You must ride now. Ride! Where can we go? Only one way now. Where maybe even Flamorock won't think to look for us. North, toward the Garden of Torment. Let us go. You said it was dangerous. It's lethal. Every creature in it, large or small, guarantees death with just one sting or bite. But we have no choice. So let's ride! There it is. Beyond the river? Yes. It looks so bleak. Patches of dead grass, thorny brush, a few scabby trees. With a name like Garden of Torment, what else would you expect? What's the route? The land slopes down for a while, and then up again until it reaches the north wall of Giganti City. How do you know all this? I rode around the garden once, just to have a look. The river circles most of it, and the city wall blocks off the rest. To keep what's in it, in. And to keep us out, it seems. No. There is a way across the river to Shallow Point. Well-worn stepping stones. You mean we're going in? Somewhere, there's a high demon called Flamorock looking for us. If we bypass the garden and look for another way into the city, we might ride right into him. But he won't think to find us in there. It's our safest way. Safest? And quickest. We don't have many days left before the moon is full. Why is the full moon... Um, what's in this garden, anyway? Poison. Just about every kind of poisonous plant and animal. And some of Meftic's special creations. Mutant monsters. But nothing with wings. Nothing that might fly over the wall and attack Meftic's city. Oh, that's a comfort. It doesn't make sense, Sai. You said that nobody ever came out of the garden alive. None of Meftic's prisoners, Jarl. But we're going in fully armed, with talents as well as weapons. But what for? Why do you want to get into the city? And what's the full moon got to do with it? Ah! What is that thing? A good example of one of Meftic's homemade monsters. An insect called a digger tail that's normally found in the northern deserts. Insect? It was taller than my horse. A bit oversized, yes. Sorry about the scream. It startled me. To be expected. We'll have to leave the horses here. No horses? Sides right. No place for animals. They wouldn't stand a chance. Will they be safe here? Hope will look after Pearl and the other two. He'll keep them out of sight in the brushwood and stay nearby, waiting for me. How long will he wait? As long as he thinks I'm alive. Don't go worrying about Pearl, Mandra. She'll be okay. Right. Bye, Pearl. Off you go, Hob. Take them into hiding. What now? Down to the river. Then I'll show you the crossing point. You think the stepping stones will take my weight? Should do. They were here before Meftik made the place over into his garden. None of the creatures can cross this way. Most of them being dry land beasts that don't like water. And the rest of them would keep away from this river for their own good. I saw what he meant. The river was teeming with evil-looking creatures. 
The fish and plant life bristled with spikes that I guessed rightly were venomous. Dozens of creatures that were just bulging bloated jelly sacks floated along, trailing long stinging tentacles behind them. There were giant eels with fangs, and as soon as we stood on the first stepping stone, they were climbing onto the stones trying to get to us. The river was not a pretty sight. I'll lead the way. Ready? Yes. Yes. You'll watch our backs, Archer. But of course, I'll bring up the rear. Oh, okay. Uh, yes, thanks. Scythe was flicking the fanged eels off the stones with his staff. Archer behind was keeping a firm eye both on the skyline and on me. I was okay, in fact. I'd often played river games in Wellwood. Wellwood. That's where I lived. Where I used to live. Again, the thought came, why was I here? But soon, we were safely on the other side, and I had other things to think about. Oh, so far, so good. We'll go in single file. As well to draw your knife and have it ready, Mandra. Fine. I wish I had a weapon. A firebrand always has a weapon, Gerald. But if it makes you feel better, you can carry this. Thanks, Scythe. That's great. I suppose you're going to say something. No, I was just thinking of the thrill I felt the first time I had... Well hit, Scythe. Behind you, two lizards. This bow makes a good club. Be aware. Death is everywhere in here. That snake I killed is only one of many, and those lizards are lethal. Their teeth are razor sharp, and their saliva poison. Couldn't Mandra use her talent to hide us from these horrors? Too tiring. At her age, trying to reach all these creatures with her mind, she'd be drained and exhausted within minutes. Then even then, she could not hide us from the plants, and they're just as lethal. Another lizard heading this way, Gerald. Oh, no, it's bigger than a dog. It's stopped. Look at the grass, size. Where? Where the lizard's trapped. It's being held by something. See the weeds growing among the grass? Their tendrils wrap around anything that moves in their range. The thorns you can see are poisonous, and the weeds themselves are carnivorous. They eat the victims of their poison. Oh, good. Let all the things in the garden kill each other off. There will always be plenty left for us. Let's move on. We must all concentrate and strike quick, or our lives are in peril. I was full of fear. There was an icy hollowness growing in the pit of my stomach. I thought if only I was as brave as Mandra, who walked onward purposefully in front of me, cutting at the various horrors that leapt to attack her. And as I thought it, she tripped over a stone. I ran to help her rise and protect her if attacked. Oh, thank you. All right. I'm so frightened I can't walk properly. You're frightened? Well, you bet. I'm terrified. You would be a fool if you were not, Mandra. I feel the same. That's great. You're terrified as well. I thought it was just me. Oh, thanks, Gerald. That's just what I need to know at the moment. It was like the sun coming up. I wasn't alone in my fear. I saw the patina of sweat on Archer's brow and knew she felt fear. I could see Scythe's clenched jaw and the whiteness of his knuckles where they clutched his sword just the way I clutched mine, and I realised he too felt fear. I wasn't alone. Hold it! Now doesn't that look inviting? A white sandy path curving away to a pretty carved wooden bridge over a ravine. Looks nice. It's probably supposed to. We may not like where it leads. No, we would not. Let me show you what I see on the bridge. A trapdoor! Exactly. Anyone setting foot on the bridge would swing it open and down they'd go. Well, that appears to be the only way across the ravine. So let's go and see what would have been the surprise waiting underneath. No! 
Yes, Mandra. Every size and shape of snake known to man. Thousand upon thousand of them, all breeding happily, waiting for their next feast day to come along. Look, there's human bones and skulls among them. Others have not been so careful. I fought against being sick, for bile had come into my throat as I looked into the pit and saw hundreds of the same snake that had visited me in the hotel. How lucky I had been then, but would my luck hold out? We travelled on for hours, fighting all the way, and never the same threat twice. There were pods that burst, releasing gas, bushes that tried to grab us, spiders the size of plates that shot themselves at us with the speed of arrows. But every threat that came, Archer and Scythe were equal to, until, after a surprising lull when we travelled without threat for minutes, a threat came too great for even them to handle. This creature was truly monstrous, taller than Archer with the claws of a crab and the tail of a scorpion. It dashed past at speed, pushing Mandra and me to one side, heading for Archer's back. She blocked a blow from one of its claws with her bow, but the second claw caught her a crushing blow on her head, and she was down poleaxed. It lifted one pincer claw high, then brought it down to clutch her neck and crush her throat. Scythe leapt in, his sword cut at the claw, gashing it and fencing it away. The monster was hurt, gave a roar, then swung round furiously to pierce Scythe with its steel-hard sting. But again he fenced it off. Again and again the monster tried to get him, but each time Scythe blocked and parried the blow from the sting, while Mandra and I just stood watching, terrified. Come on, monster. What are you waiting for? Do you give up? Behind you, Scythe! Another of them! I could hardly believe what I was witnessing. The two creatures were trying to get at him with their stings and he stood between them both, his sword a blurring, cutting weapon of destruction as he caught the armour of each in turn. And then, the moment presenting itself, he leapt at one, ducking beneath a flailing claw and stuck his sword deep into its eye. But the other had raced to get Archer, still unconscious on the path. Scythe went to run to her aid but slipped. I had to do something. There was no fire in my mind. But I did have a sword in my hand. No! By sheer luck, I had found its weakness. And my sword slipped between the joining of its armoured shell and penetrated deep into its abdomen. It screamed in agony. And my sword broke as it turned away, all ready to strike me with its tail. But Scythe was there and in no time finished it off. No. What happened? You were knocked out. Scythe had to fight off some oversized monsters. Not just me. We don't just have another talent in Jarrell. We have another warrior. I've never seen anyone so scared, but you overcame it and saved Archer's life. How can I ever thank you? It's all right. It was nothing. I'd never known such joy. And soon I was walking the last few hundred yards up a steep slope to a cliff from where Scythe said we'd be able to see the wall with happiness in my heart. Suddenly Scythe stopped and spoke words that chilled me. Finally, an enemy we can't fight. What are they? It's like like a rippling tide racing up the slope after us. Insects. Every sort of insect in their millions. Red and black ants, centipedes, wingless yellow jackets, you name them and there they are. And each one with the power to kill. Run for the cliff. We'll never get away from them. We can try. Run. It's reached the slope we're on. Climb to the cliff. You can do it, Gerald. 
Scythe, we'll go ahead. Stand by to pull them up. I'm with you. Archer and Scythe reached the cliff. Mandra grabbed Scythe's arm and was pulled safely up. I was nearly in reach of Archer's hand when my foot slipped and I slid back towards the insects. <gasps> Jarrell, here! Grab my hand! They're within inches! Let's keep going! Grab my arm! I'll come down! No, Archer! I jumped on a small rock, pushed upwards, and she had me. The insects were now at the base of the cliff and starting to climb. As I kicked upwards, something amazing happened. The rock I'd kicked fell away, and the whole cliff face followed it, and water gushed in torrents from the gap. And so, goodbye to marauding insects. It must be an underground river. When the cliff was weakened as Gerald climbed, it burst free. I've never been so glad to see water. <laughs> Methstick will be annoyed with you, Gerald. You've turned his garden into a lake. <laughs> and there you see what we have been searching for. The wall of the garden. We've done it. True. All we have to do is find an entrance and get through without being seen. And then we can get our task underway. Time for the talents. Mandra, any sign of life on the other side? No. No one there at all. Can you undo the lock, Archer? Certainly. It was only a set of large boats. Now, we have two choices. Kill everyone we meet, or let Mandra make them see something else. I prefer the latter, because it doesn't leave unexplained bodies. But it does put an extra burden on you. Can you do it? I'll do it. Not till you've rested. And you won't be rested until you let go of the barrier. What barrier? I can't. I think you may have to, whether you like it or not. Your talent is vital to us here in the city. You have to be at your strongest. It is true, Mandra. And there may be less risk now if you let go. We have all seen how Jarrell has changed, what courage he's found. What are you talking about? Is there something I don't know? Tell him. Some time ago, a terrible thing was done to you, Gerald. It filled you with so much horror that we feared it would crush your mind. Mandra set up a barrier using her talent. And she is still using her talent to keep the barrier in your mind, to stop you remembering certain things. That's the blank place in your memory that you've been worried about. What has been done to me? What have I forgotten? If I tell you while the barrier's still there, you'll instantly forget my words again. The barrier must be removed. Then you'll remember, and it is terrible. But keeping the barriers weakening Mandra, and without her we have no chance in the city. For Mandra and all our sakes, it has to be removed. I saw that Mandra was watching me, concern and sympathy in her eyes. Scythe's words were throbbing in my head. For Mandra and for all our sakes, what other choice did I have but to agree? All right. Remove the barrier. I'm going to close my eyes, Gerald, and do it. Brace yourself. I saw it all. The mad face of the poisoner wielding the tainted blade. Heard his words. Don't you understand, little boy? There is no escape. Now begins your death, which will end finally when next the moon is full, 
One scratch will do. But for your impertinence, you may have the honor of my signature on your chest. The letter M. And so will begin your journey to your death. That's what they'd been keeping from me. My imminent death. And now the moon was nearly full. I could once more feel the scar burning my chest, pulsating, reminding me every second that in two days I die in agony. And I could not stop myself but scream and scream and scream. <laughs> Part three of The Blade of the Poisoner, dramatised by Wally K. Daly from the book by Douglas Hill, you heard Eric Allen as Jarrell and James Holland as Jarrell the Boy, with Elizabeth Bell as Archer, Benon Wukwe as Scythe, and Susan Sheridan as Mandra. Urald was played by David Bannerman and Prince Mefdick by Hugh Dixon. Special effects were by Dick Mills and music by Peter Howell of the BBC Radiophonic Workshop. The director was Peter Fossard. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to join us tomorrow for yet another amazing story.